the supernatural resource. And prayer, from the first sermon here, we know that prayer is communion with God the Father. That's the first thing that prayer is. It's dependency upon him. And then we persistently offer our prayers to him. And sometimes we, we even wrestle with God in prayer with a limp. Like, like, um, Judah did. Not Judah, but, um, Jacob did. But do we believe in prayer? Do we practice prayer? And this is what James is going to teach us again here in this verse, in this passage. And here's God's word to his beloved sons and daughters, because that's who you are in Christ. He says in verse 13, is there anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man like us with a nature like ours, and he prayed wholeheartedly that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is God's holy and errant word. Please pray with him for me. Holy Spirit, we once again um, call upon you to be the advocate that you are for us, the counselor that you are for us, uh, the leader that you are for us, that you are the one who helps us understand scripture, that apart from your work, Holy Spirit, we do not understand. We cannot understand. So will you please... Holy Spirit, move in us, move in our minds, move in, move in our hearts, move in our emotions. And I pray that you will give us the understanding that we need to have today from the preaching of God's word. It is in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. James, in this passage, he, he asked the church three questions. And these three questions, they tap into three experiences and, and circumstances and struggles that all believers should carry to God in prayer. He says, is, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone cheerful? Is anyone among you sick? That the first question leads to a prayer of supplication, which I addressed in the first sermon. And prayers of supplications are as you bring in petitions to your father about your needs, your struggles. That's what that's what that's what supplication means is you crying out to him for mercy, for strength to endure, for justice to roll down like water, for answers, for peace, for perseverance. You're praying that the Holy Spirit will will let you not lose hope in your current struggles. Those are prayers of supplication. And you can take those to your dad and he will welcome you. He will receive you. Actor and rapper Will Smith has a reality show on Facebook Watch called Will Smith's Bucket List. 
And in this show, he travels around the world, crossing off different items on his bucket list, swimming with sharks, running a half marathon. Those are some of the things that's on his list. And a bucket list is a list of things that, that a person wants to do before they kick the bucket, meaning before they die. And prayer is a bucket list. It's a bucket list of needs, wants, dreams, and plans that you are praying that God may answer before you kick the bucket. So what kind of prayer requests are in your bucket? What's in your bucket list? What, what, what are you expecting him to answer? And whatever's on your list, take them to him. And he will listen to you. He and expect him to answer. And some of those things in, in that bucket will get answered in this life. And some of them won't get answered into the next life. That's an amen statement. Where's my sign? Paul says in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, saints, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But do we believe that? But do we believe that? Let me ask you a few questions. Do you only pray when you need something from God? Do you only bend your knees when you're stuck in a rock in a hard place? Do you only pray to him in times of trouble? Do you only pray Hail Mary prayers? If so, then, 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 I, then our understanding of prayer is really incomplete. There's another half of prayer. And David Peter says, turning to God in need is half of the truth. Turning to him in praise, either in the church or alone, when one is cheerful, is the other half. You see, we as believers, we don't just have to, we don't just bring to him our bucket list of needs and wants and plans and dreams and desires. We don't just turn to him when life is bad and when life is hard. We don't just turn to him when we're suffering when we're disappointed or when we're grieving, we also turn to him when life is good. When life is well for you. When you're on the mountaintop. When you are experiencing the goodness of the Lord. We turn to him then. Because if, if we don't turn to him when life is well for us, we do give off a certain kind of, a certain kind of vibe. Well, what kind of vibe are you talking about, Pastor? We give off this kind of vibe that I'm the reason why my life is well right now. I perform well. I work hard. So all this, these blessings is because of me. Well, I, I, I'm a, I'm, look at my kids. I parent them well. Look how good they are. I'm the reason my kids turn out so well. I'm the reason they're doing so good. So we pat ourselves on the back. We high five ourselves. Because and when we're doing that, you are stealing God's glory. That's meant for Him. Because we want the credit, we want the recognition, we we want the glory, and and, and, that, and this is delusional. Because if we don't, if we don't, if we think the only reason why we're successful is because of our hard work, then we are missing a big part of who God is in our life. This leads us to James' second question: Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And you don't sing praise to yourself. 
as Christians. We, we're not singing praise for ourselves. You're not singing praises to your pastor. You're singing praises to your God and King who is sovereign over your existence. The Christian life is a roller coaster. It is. Kids, young people, your life would be a roller coaster. Okay? Please know that. I don't care if you go to the best college in the world, get the best job you're going to get, it would be ups and downs in your life. And you got to embrace that. Got to embrace that. There will be mountaintop experiences and valleys. You will suffer in this life and you will be cheerful in this life. There will be happy moments in this life and there will be sad moments in this life. There will be joy. There will be pain. There will be sickness. There will be health. And you will also experience the goodness of the Lord in your life. We all will experience that. And when we do, we take it to God. We praise him for it. We praise him for that. Do you praise God for the things he's done in your life? Do you thank him for the things he's done and provided for you in your life? What are prayers and songs of praise? Praises to God is like a two-sided coin. On one side, there's adoration. And on the other side, that's thanksgiving. Adoration is you praising God for who he is. And thanksgiving is you praising God for what he has done. That's what it means to praise him. So, so who is God? He is creator. He is father. He is sustainer. He is judge. He is holy. He is just. He is loving. That's who he is. And you can praise him for that. Because he doesn't change. Amen, saints. And what has he done? He has been good to you. He has redeemed you. He reconciles. He heals. He provides. He can restore broken relationships. He can heal you. All those things that God can do in us. And he is doing. Despite what you see in the world, God is still working. Despite what you may experience in this world, he is still working. And another thing that he does is that he doesn't shame you when you fall short. He doesn't shame you. He doesn't guilt you when you mess up. He's not looking down from glory and said, man, I wish I wouldn't have saved Alex. Look at him. Can't, can't do nothing right. No. That's not what he does. Because as Tim said, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now there's conviction, but no condemnation. That's what he does. He gives you freedom to live as sons and daughters. He gives you freedom to live in grace. He gives you freedom to walk in the blessings that he's giving you. He's giving you freedom to actually enjoy life. To enjoy life. He's giving you freedom to do that. 2 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up sacrifices of praise, that is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. That's what he's calling us to do. Give praises to him. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. 
And I shall sing his praises continually. All of us should stand up right now and do a village church happy dance. Because God has been good to us. Yes, like that. We should be grateful, both individually and corporately. Praise him for who he is. Praise him for what he has done. And we offer this in prayers of adoration and prayers of thanksgiving. Psalm 22 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. If you have saving faith in him, then you're his people. And if you don't have saving faith in him, then you need to make a decision for Jesus today. Listen, I don't care what type of sermon I'm preaching, I'm always going to share the gospel. Okay? In this church. The gospel gets shared every Sunday. It will get shared. And there's only one doorway into God's favor, and that is through his son. That is through Jesus. His death, his resurrection is what makes that possible. And through Jesus Christ, you can have saving faith, your sins can be forgiven, and you can stand before God guiltless and shameless. It's only through Jesus. So if you don't know him, then you need to come to him. Don't put it off. Don't wait till you get your life in order. You come to him because your life will never be in order. Confess your sins now. Acknowledge him as Lord and Savior now. Submit and surrender to him as Savior now. And through Christ, you will be part of God's people. And your praise will join their praise, and God will inhabit them all. So if you are cheerful, same praises to him, saints. Same praises to him. Who has ever participated in an intervention? No one wants to acknowledge that, right? <laughs> Have you been on the receiving end of an intervention? Who's braver now? According to the Mayo Clinic, an intervention is a gathering of close friends and family and colleagues who meet to persuade a person to seek help or treatment for some problem. That's what an intervention is. And if you think about it, prayer is an intervention. An intervention or prayer is known as intercession. It's interceding on behalf of other people before God. Do you have intercessors who pray for you? This leads us to, uh, to James' third question. He says, if anyone is sick among you, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of Jesus. I don't have this in my notes, but I'm going to say it anyway. This means if you have marital problems, which is a sickness, you bring me in on the front end. Don't bring me in when you think about going to see the lawyers, because at that point, you want me to pick a side. I ain't going to pick no side. No amens there. Okay. That's what that means. So sickness happens to all of us at some point. It could be relational sickness. It could be with your kids and your your family and coworkers. It could be any of those things, emotional. It could be mental. It could be things like depression, substance abuse. All of those things are sicknesses. And when you're in that state, you need to call upon the church to pray over you. Because as, as Christians, what we do when our life isn't well, we isolate. We hide. And we're hiding because we spend our time pretending to be perfect people. The perfect family, the perfect marriage, the perfect kids. And when all that stuff starts falling apart, we hide. Listen, Jesus ain't called you to be perfect. You do that to yourself. <laughs> He's giving you freedom. 
to be honest about what you're going through. And so if there, if you're sick, James says, call the elders of the church. Let them come and lay our hands on you and, and pray over you. You can practice that here. Call us to your home. Let us pray over your family. Let, let us come. I'll bring the coconut oil and we'll come. I'll grease all y'all foreheads in the name of Jesus. So either this stuff is real or it's not. Only Christians can have intercession prayer and it matters. And it matters. Do we really believe it matters? That when the saints and leaders gather together and we intercede for one another, that there is power in that. Sitting is dry. It, it, it sucks up your strength. It dries up your joy. It, you, sometimes you can get to a place where you can't even pray. You can get so so down and low, you can't even get out of bed. Will you call your elders and let us come and pray over you and your family? Spiritual warfare is real. It's real. And the only way to deal with spiritual warfare is prayer. Prayer. Now, it'd be hard to call upon your elders if you don't know who they are. So, <laughs> so Larry Bricker, stand up. He's an elder. Steve Crappy, stand up. He's an elder. Richard Goodson is not here right now. He's in Atlanta, and he's an elder. And I'm an elder. No, these are your elders. And you can call upon us. Please call us. I'm pleading with you. Because I would love to come in and see with you on, on your behalf. Personally, do you intercede for other people? Do you intervene on their behalf? I know one of the things we often say is that that's none of my business. If we were in community with each other, it is our business. It is our business. And we got to see each other's family and intervene and ask each other hard questions, stand in the gap for one another, hold a rope for one another. Will you enter the roar room of prayer on behalf of others? James says that in the prayer of faith of those praying will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. And in verse 19, my brothers, if anyone wanders from the truth, someone should bring him back. That's what it means to stand in the gap for one another. God works through intercessory prayer. But do we believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Our God is still in the business of healing. I ain't talking about the Benny Hinn type healing. I'm talking about he still heals. This can be physical. It can be emotional. It can be spiritual. And sometimes the healer may be you need to go to counseling and get on antidepressants. I had to do that a few years ago. And my wife can testify. Alice is better to live around now. So. <laughs> and that's what a healer may mean for you, too. He heals, but it might not be in the way you think. Christian prayer isn't this a supernatural resource for individuals and their families and their circle or friends. It ain't just for the elders of the church. It's also corporate and communal. 
One pastor says, prayer was never meant to be merely a personal experience with personal benefits, but a discipline that, that reminds us we are personally responsible for others. This means that every time we pray, we should actively reject in an individualistic mindset. We are not just individuals in relationship with, with, with God, but we are in a community of people who have the same access to God. Prayer is a collective exercise. Prayer is a collective exercise, and that is known as corporate prayer. Corporate prayer It's when believers gather together in their homes or at church and they pray together. And Christ says, where two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. You ain't got to have the whole church. It can be two of you together praying, praying in corporate prayer. Will you gather with the saints to pray? James says in verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Corporate prayer is a means of grace as a local body here. It's a means of grace. Let us partake of that means together. The elders have committed, the office of the church, the elders and deacons, we're trying to meet on the second Sunday of the month to come and pray for you. Pray for us that we will stay consistent. This is about the fourth time we tried that, and it always ended. So pray that we have the grace to, to continue to meet together as officers, to pray for you and your families, and pray for me. Do you pray for me? If you're praising me, you ain't praying for me. Can't do both. I need your prayers, not your praise. Pray for me and my family. Prayer is a resource that we can do together, and none of our praises are ever wasted. Never wasted. They're never pointless. They are powerful, and they are working. Verse 16b says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The righteous person is a reference to a believer. It's a person who has saving faith, a person who is righteous in Christ. And our prayers are powerful prayers. And our prayers work. But do we believe it? The phrase, as it is working, it deals with the effectiveness of prayer. And again, what makes Christian prayer effective is our Trinitarian God. That's who makes it effective. So, I don't, so, so don't, all, don't look at how well you're praying. Just know it matters who you're praying to. Because some of us like a program. That's what we, we got to have a program. Prayer is not a program. It is a relationship. When it becomes a program, that becomes work. When it becomes work, you don't like doing it. But it is a relationship, people. That's what it is. And when you're bending the knee, you are communing with your daddy, your Abba Father. And he wants to commune with you. And when you're praying, know that it is powerful. It is working because of who he, who he is. Paul says in Romans that sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Have you ever thought about that? The third person of the Trinity prays for you? He intercedes for you? But groaning and groaning that we can't even understand? Man, that is wonderful, saints. That even when we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit got our back. Have you thought about that? The Spirit has your back. Not way back like some people, 
But he's right there. Close friend. Close friend. Making intercession before you. Helping you in your prayer life. What does it mean to say that Christians prayer is powerful? Well, he, Christians have prayer power. That's what that means. That you have prayer power because of who you are. Because of who you are in Christ. You have prayer power. If you're a young believer, you have prayer power. Your parents are the only ones who have access to God. You have access to God. I'm not. A, that's why I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor. I don't have to intercede. You can go to God yourself. But I pray for you because I love you. In Christ Jesus, think about this. Jesus prayed. Have you ever thought about that? He's God in the flesh. But he prays. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. Even Christ prays, giving us a model that if the son of God can pray and has to pray. then So what about us? What about us? James gives us an, as an example from Elijah. Who we all see as a hero of the faith. And yet James says he is just a man. With a nature like ours. He's no superhero. He's just a regular dude. Who prayed to a God who was always able. Do you think Elijah was the one who made the rain stop? You think he you think he made the rain stop just because he was his title as prophet? You think that's the reason why God answered that prayer? No. Stop making people better than they more than they are. We are just regular people praising and worshiping the same God. Think who was who are your hero in the faith here? You think um, Tim Keller has has a, is closer to God than you are? Think Beth Moore is closer to God than you are? No, y'all are the same. God has no favorites. We all are His favorites. There should be a lot more amen, saints. Should be a lot more. One commentator says, Elijah was just an ordinary man like anyone else. He had to cope with fear, periods of depression, and physical limitations, just like us. He had prayer power because he knew Yahweh Elohim was listening to his prayers. He knew that when he prayed, he was in God's presence. He knew and he believed that. Do you know and believe that? That when you pray, it makes a difference. And when you pray, it is communion. This changes your whole walk. Because we like to pro. When I became a Christian, I was taught how to work. I became a Christian, then I was taught how to work. That was, that was, that's what I, that, was, that was discipleship. You pray, you have your quiet time, you memorize scripture. It was never about communion with God. It was work. And you know what happened to me? I burned out. I became a good Pharisee. Then I burned out. I got hit with depression. And I went to a period where I didn't want to go to church. I was on, I was suicidal. It was bad. Because all I did was work for Jesus. I didn't even know him for the first two years of my walk. All I did was work and I performed. Then when I performed well, he loved me. And then when I didn't perform well, he didn't love me. And what helped me 
was him breaking me, bringing me to the part uh, part of myself where I didn't have everything that I thought made me righteous. He took away. He took it all away. I was at the lowest low. And in that low part, I found and learned grace. I learned grace through being broken. Broken. I saw him as father there in that dark place, in that valley. And when he brought me out, it changed my whole view of Christianity. It changed my whole view of prayer. It all became relationship. And I finally believed when I got to the place where I believed Jesus loved me when I didn't have a quiet time, that was freedom for me. He loved me even when I didn't have a quiet time. Because there was a time I didn't believe that. You don't have to work, saints, for his favor. And prayer is wonderful. You will struggle to do it. Your prayer life will be ups and downs. But the one thing is certain that your God is always on high. And he will always hear it. And we're going to close our time now with a time of prayer. You can intercede for someone or you can offer prayers of thanksgiving. We're going to do this as a corporate body. Then I'll close our time in a moment, and that, that would be our benediction and our closing. So I want to give you the opportunity now to put into practice the things that I just preached about. So if you're feeling led to pray, you have opportunity now to pray. Let us go to the Lord now.